ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get done for Hello and welcome to Nerf This, the esports show that you totally should swipe right on. I'm your host, Brian Huff, and I'm joined by my Tinder match, Seven. Hello, sir. I've definitely been called worse. I like that. I like that. We are uh, two peas in a pod. Two peas in a pod. Are you like yep. 50 years old? I was trying to think of like the oldest <laughs> old person saying that is not related to Tinder, totally yeah. disconnected from Tinder. That's the bee's knees uh, right there. Yeah. That's that's right. That's right. Oh man, <laughs> I'm hip. I'm cool. I'm with it. Get totally. over this, this is why we are the dominant esports property <laughs> in all of media esports coverage because we are hip and with it. Well, barring all of that, we've got a lot to get to this week. Uh, a lot of player movement going on in Counter Strike and in the NALCS. Uh, we finally have some sort of players union. It looks like is going to happen. Um, we got the HCT Summer Championship. We've got a surprising new hero in Overwatch, and esports be esports doing stupid things again. But before that, we're actually going to talk about Tinder. This is a relevant intro and not one where I just like pulled it out of my hat. Um, but Tinder's has its first esports partnership with Immortals. Uh, this was announced this past weekend in conjunction with MIBR, which is the organization that uh, the Immortals recently purchased to play in CSGO. It really doesn't actually, I don't get what the partnership is. Like, the, apparently, you can find the players in Tinder in advertisements um, wearing like their MIBR jerseys, and that's actually what people started seeing. But beyond that, there like if you read the press release, it was super weird because it was just like a whole lot of words that basically said, "We are friends. <laughs> we know about each other." Like there wasn't. I was expecting some sort of promotional deal or something, but it's really just like Tinder says we like millennials, and Immortals is like we like millennials too. Great, let's be friends. And then and then dick pics were traded. Yes, yes, totally. Like there was a yep. bunch of inappropriate texting, and um, then somebody ghosted the other person, and then we moved on. I, I like how it only took us about two minutes to make this podcast not safe for work this week. I know. I'm, I'm I impressed. Know. I'm impressed. Well, we got to do this before our overlords rein it in. <laughs> well, it's it's true. It's also the, probably the fact that we, I don't know, we spent the last that hour, was seven's uncomfortable. That was your uncomfortable yeah. laugh when I talk about the bosses. <laughs> Uh, well, you never know. I mean, we, we can edit this out, right? We, uh, we love yeah. our corporate overlords. I, this is what happens honest. when we sp- spend like an hour to two hours troubleshooting and w- watching watching Neymar gifts. My, my brain feels like a Neymar <laughs> acting job right now. I'm just rolling around on the ground screaming in pain, <laughs> which is what I always do. Anyway, so Tinder. Um, sure. 
this just feels so <laughs> stupid. I, I don't. I'm like I, I. I know it's in the show notes, and we were going to talk about it mostly to make fun of it, and not in the traditional way where it's like oh, Tinder swiping millennials, but more of this just like I don't understand the point of this partnership. Uh, Tinder says they're trying to get in the Brazilian market, obviously sponsoring a Brazilian team. Like, yay! Like that's a good idea if you're trying to get into the Brazilian market. MIBR certainly like as far as esports go, is like well known in Brazil and literally in the name does what it says on the tin, so to speak. But beyond that, I just don't get the angle. Like, you date? I mean, the the dating Venn diagram with anything has overlap. Like, you date in, like, Brussels sprouts? Like, it's it's all there. <laughs> Tinder sponsors the, the Brussels sprout committee. Or <laughs> you just, just had, like, all, all I know is about 90% of the esports audience may, through this, <laughs> through, through, through this actual this sponsorship... Is like- find out what a woman is like that is true that is true yeah location yeah. mother's basement there we got all the cliches out of the way it's yep. done <laughs> yeah i don't know this is super weird uh kudos to both of them i don't know what a tinder partnership actually looks like but they they think they hear esports <laughs> are cool what are you are you drunk right now <laughs> no it's i don't know what a tinder partnership looks like well you know when a guy likes a girl and a girl likes a guy when you Google Tinder on Pornhub, this is that's what a Tinder oh. partnership right. looks like. Wow, this show. This all show. right. This yeah, is why we started right. with this story, to just get this all out of the way. So if you're interested in MIBR and Tinder, you are now served. Good job, esports. Don't know. Well, let's get to something a little more serious <laughs> that we can talk about. Um, so Kotaku Esports Vertical Compete is shutting down. Uh, amongst Univision budget cuts. So this was reported a couple of months ago, not that Compete was going to get shut down, but that Univision was having a lot of budget issues and that pink slips were coming yeah. down in June. Well, you know, here we are. It took up a couple extra days. Um, but this did not stop the remaining media from jumping on that bandwagon that we thought had gone off into the sunset, which is like the death of esports coverage. And so, the, like, every article had to go back and rehash all the failed attempts at covering esports and how they were quickly wiped off the map. And they view this as another in a long line of failed esports journalism ventures. Um, a, I think calling compete an esports site is borderline criminal <laughs> like ooh, sorry ooh, shots fired i just fired. saying i'm just saying like if i'm if i think of my like mental list of journalists journalistic organizations that i respect they're way down here at the bottom you see that stupid meme on twitter where it's just like it is impossible to rank journalism sites and at like one million it's uh it's the whole Kotaku concept. Um, so Univision ends up owning Gizmodo Media in the first place because of that whole Hulk Hogan lawsuit. Uh, Univ- you know, Univision purchased them. Now Univision's not doing well, and that's how we get here. But I don't know that I necessarily view this as some, like, death knell, like we're going to see another round of, like, sites failing. I I just think people are going about it wrong, e- even if that's not the reason to do it here. Like, I think the model is either changing or people are over-investing. And when you look at the value you potentially get out of an esports site, like if, if Univision's having the trouble they're having, and I look in, like you usually look into the deep, dark corners of your room for things that you can cut before you cut the important stuff. And so it's not surprising to me, given the status of Compete, that they would go after that. And I don't think it had anything to do specifically with esports. Yeah, I don't think it was also like a huge... Uh, weight on them from a, a financial standpoint, like it wasn't a huge burden. But again, like you said, you start kind of cutting the little things here and there, and 
compete ends up being one of them. I think it was really only about three, maybe four people uh, behind it. Cause I think, uh, was it their editor said that like these three people have been doing a great job with compete and, I, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I don't think we'll see a wave of them shutting down uh, of esports site shutting down largely because we've already seen that wave. Uh, and there's not much of a wave left. It's maybe like a tiny ripple at this point. Um, we were even talking about before the show, um, what was it? Uh, PVP, PVP Live. Live. Yeah. Uh, we we hadn't even realized PVP Live had closed in February, largely because I think it was, what, like November of last year? They kind of switched over. Yeah, it was in September. To, it was September, yeah. So it's like, I know last year they switched over from, from doing news, which they'd already kind of gotten away from esports news, because they, they were covering everything. Yeah, they were like, switch related. Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's like, okay. So they, they tried to pivot multiple times, and finally it just... Uh, they they couldn't do it, and then the other one that just happened, uh, I just noticed like like a couple of days ago was uh, Strivewire, which was the one v one dot gg. They shuttered, yep. so they had changed from Strivewire to one v one gg. Like a, I don't know, like five weeks ago, four weeks ago, and then <laughs> clearly that shuttered. pivot didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, a little pivot, pivot a little bit too late. I, I mean. There, there are some sites out there, and largely it looks like they're they're kind of burning through cash, and so we'll end up seeing those kind of shut down if they don't find a way to monetize. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast when it comes to websites and and I guess you could say startups. But there's this this whole media finding a hard time monetizing on the web is this has been a problem since like 2000, 2001. Right. This hasn't been uh, this isn't anything new, in all honesty. Yeah, and as you've seen, like. If you do it at the proper scale, it tends to work out. It's not surprising when you look at the failed ventures that have happened, especially in the media space. It's usually either so underinvested nobody cares, or somebody's like, I'm going to build like the polygon of esports, so I'm going to go out and like bring in all these big names. And that costs money. I think that's what happened to WWG when they decided, you know, they were going to start worldwide gaming and they went out and pulled all these people in. Like they stole uh, Kevin Naki away from IGN, the what the stuff that he was doing on Bleach Report Radio. You know, they got people like Kevin Hit. They put all these big hitters in there and then you burn through the cash super fast because their audience, they're just not bringing a big enough audience in order for you to have like a staff of like 20 or 30 people running esports. Yahoo is the same thing, right? Like, Again, like arguably some of the best esports coverage that was happening at the time, like they were putting in the work. They were at every damn event doing interviews. Like they were, you can't say they weren't trying. Like it's not like what PvP Live did for like six months where it's like one esport article per week. They were really trying and it still like didn't work out. Now, obviously, there was budget things and the Yahoo, uh, you know, purchase and all that plays into it. But again, like. Those deep dark quarters, and I can't imagine that Yahoo Esports was profitable. Like I, I, there's not a whole lot of esports journalistic ventures that are profitable. That, and like, there's no way that one was. But I mean, even when you look at it, uh, when you have some of these larger sites getting into things, we saw with like Bleacher Report, right? Like yep. a larger site that is used to monetizing a, a huge audience. Sites, hey, we're going to jump into this esports stuff so we can try and get this. Uh, you know, this demographic, right? Yep. And, and so they jump in and they're not used to having to grow things from the, the ground up anymore. So they see these small numbers and they're like, all right, cool, peace out, we're gone because yeah. it doesn't make sense for us. Uh, when, and they don't really put in the effort to, to grow it. And I felt like, yeah, I felt like Yahoo Esports put in a, a good amount to grow it. For I sure. Think, uh, ESPN has done it. It feels like at times they kind of waver, but... 
Um, I think they've done a solid amount. It feels like they've kind of got a renewed in- interest in it in this last year, since the beginning of the year. Yeah, so it was a little the, weird. The studio some, and, like some of their more famous contract writers had pulled back and weren't working for ESPN anymore. Because a lot of those people were like fit on fire. Those type of folks were like not espn employees and so that's probably played into it but yeah there's definitely there's investment that has happened um but you're right like it's a weird it's a weird sweet spot that you need to find um i think bleacher report is a perfect example and we obviously we know a lot of the internals having previously been under that banner like there's not a lot of investment there it's you know there might be a couple people i'm gonna try to obscure the details as much as i can uh, but there might be a couple people involved now, the question is, is if like those two people or however many there are, like sat up and walked out of the room and said, I'm done at Bleacher Report, they, you probably feel someone would notice there's no more esports at Bleacher Report because it's like that level of investment never works. And we've seen a lot of sites try that. And arguably, I feel like that's what Compete was doing is Compete was like this add on onto an add on similar to the, the stuff that we've seen right. Vox do around esports. Like some of their stuff is okay. Like I think they've done better with the Dota 2 and the League of Legends uh, esports sites they spun off, but the Overwatch one is like arguably has the easiest amount of content to follow it's one league it's all owned by blizzard it's very simple it's not trying to like run all over the world trying to figure out what the hell's going on in dota 2 and they do no overwatch league coverage it's like become like a glorified you know updated a couple times a week overwatch fan site and so like you get what you put into it and so yeah i don't know it's it's a weird space i also think we're still at that phase and this is something that we've struggled since the very beginning on and talked about before on the show is general esports coverage isn't actually a thing like it's 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 hard like if you've been longtime listeners of this show like it's hard for us to cover every game with a requisite amount of background knowledge to be more than just like headline readers and that's a huge huge challenge also recognizing that like there may be more growth if we could just be... I mean, I think this has been proven in the past. Like, you spin up a World of Warcraft podcast when a single game gets big enough. Like, you could do a podcast around it and get, you know, hundreds of thousands of listeners. The esports communities are kind of in the same boat, right? Like, there's a subsection of said game that is super into esports. And then trying to find where they care about other games and aren't annoyed by other games can be a bit of a challenge. And I think that's the ultimate... You will see a point, I think... Where League of Legends, more than likely, and Overwatch League by just fear, like full force of will, will like be big enough that like an ESPN could just cover it as the Overwatch League and maybe only cover one or two games. Or you could start, and we've seen some success here with like the the Overwatch League podcast, the Overwatch Daily podcast, where like enough people care, and if you drag enough you know players and, and personalities onto a show, you can keep it going. So we're getting close to that point where a single one can support it. And I think that's a probably a better model to build an audience. But to your point you made earlier, like again, it still needs built up from scratch. It's very much more of a community building fan site type approach that's going to build in that community then it's going to be like throwing advertising at it or saying we're espn your name doesn't carry a whole lot of clout with an audience that largely doesn't care about your product without esports like it's just not enough to drag enough people like oh i need my esports fix for most people espn's not top of that list well also you you we had a lot of them kind of jumping into the space all at the same time and a lot of the the community sites or community members had their kind of fan sitey uh, community sites that they always were into big favorites of. And when you see a big site like even Yahoo or ESPN or even Bleacher Report, and they kind of jump into the space. They're like, you're just here to try and capitalize on the audience. And they just see it as that. Like, you're just here to make 
a play on a demographic. You don't really care about esports as much. And and so I think a lot of them have that kind of barrier in front of them to start butting heads against. But when you have something like Esports Observer or even Dot Esports seem to get into a little bit more, like gamers and things like that, like all the sites seem to have a better way of going about it or were more accepted by the community uh more so than i think initially like when espn jumped in the space everybody's like okay here comes espn uh, but espn has some talented people and that's what makes it a, a good site for for esports stuff and, and for breaking news and i think that's where uh, some of the other sites kind of lost um lost their way it was, it, it's, they're not it's reporting not about, yeah right you're they're not actually reporting they're not uh trying to find exclusive stuffs they're they're largely just like you know, giving recaps of of games and what happens is is we've even found this because for a while we were like let's talk about you know the the major that we watched and we would kind of go into detail and we talk about the different rounds and, and different maps and it's like we're going super in depth but if you were a fan of of that game of of CS:GO and you watched the major you've already watched it and now we're going to talk about it for like a half hour and same thing is like if you've already watched it why do you want to read an entire article about it yeah and so i why just not go to the vod like if i missed it i'll just scrub through the vod and that's and that's the thing is like with traditional sports if you miss a game unless you have like a package deal to like the nfl network or something like that you don't have the or a dvr you've missed it right you want to recap but with everything being on twitch you just Go to that and, and watch it and, and flip to the parts you want to watch, if anything, right? Uh, so it just it's a different medium that doesn't work tr- with a lot of traditional sports coverage. And and it just I think a lot of people just are, it's still trying to find its foothold, it's still trying to find its way in, in some cases. Yeah, so I'll, we'll see where this goes. I mean, com- the community was not a huge fan of compete to begin with. Like in my defense, I'm not the only one that shares this opinion that compete is a, a pretty crappy esports site. But they they took the same slant that you'd expect from anything within Gizmodo, right? Which is that more controversy, TMZ, uh, questionably classless, you know, approach to journalism. And so no big loss in the grand scheme of things. But and I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. I just think. Uh, I think actually the big consolidation happened last year when there was budget cuts and we lost like three or four main sites. You know, we've lost Slingshot too, but to be honest, I don't. Slingshot was never like a big player in the space. Um, but overall, I think it's it's good. And there's been some new homegrown properties. You know, VP Esports has hopped up. I saw Richard Lewis, you know, formerly of E League, is now writing over there. Right. Um, you know, there's you know a few new esports podcasts popping up from time to time uh, that I see. You know, in our like suckers. Yeah, little do they know we're already king of the mountain right here. Just saying, we have got our fair <laughs> share of those 300 people. <laughs> so it's. It's not dying, but we'll we'll go continue to go through this added finium now because it's just a narrative. We'll continue we... to talk about it on the show repeatedly about how much we hate some of the sites, and then we like some of the sites. It's, I feel like we've had this conversation probably like four times. Just come in every six months, and we'll check in on the uh, death clock on esports journalism. We're still alive and kicking, folks. I'll create a site that'll just recap the podcast, and you can tell when we talk about it. There you go. Nerf this redux. Uh, moving on, one of your favorite things is happening again, which is 2v2 Rocket League. NBC Universal is bringing uh, their latest Universal yeah, Open no. Rocket League <laughs> tournament, not just to Twitch, but also to YouTube, so you can get your 2v2 Rocket League goodness in both places. 
but will be on their NBC Live app as well? More than likely, I assume. Yeah, actually, the next time you want to uh, watch soccer, it'll actually be preempted by 2v2 Rocket League. Oh, it is the NBC Sports. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I love the fact that, like, Mind you, it's already like one thirty in the morning here that we're recording this. But as soon as you mention like NBC Rocket League two v two, instantly I start yawning. <laughs> it's anyway, not because I'm tired. It's because that is the worst concept ever invented. It is, and, and now that we talk about, it, I actually feel like I have to start yawning again. So maybe I should throw it back over. But <laughs> it's true. Like why we we talked about this uh, at length before, and it was like, why did you change the format? The format works very very well. Uh, the community would love another another tournament. You're not really changing it up. You're slowing it down. Uh, and it I'd rather watch didn't... Mario Tennis Aces. Well, yeah, and a lot of people didn't like the two v two, including so, us. Correct. And, so, and it didn't clear. do well. If I'm cor- if I'm correct, I think the numbers wise, it didn't it didn't fare well. So no, no, why, especially when you compare it to like the RLCS and like the RLCS right, is right. much better. And yeah, like you said, there's no reason to change it. It's not hard to follow. Uh, they even described it so stupidly epically in the in the p- press release is like, where oh, yeah, multiple motor vehicles play soccer. <laughs> <It's> like what? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sure. Yes. If my mom described Rocket League, that's how she would describe it. <laughs> anyways moving on yes <laughs> oh man uh the PUBG corp has dropped their battle royale copyright lawsuit against epic games are we surprised probably because it's really hard to prove um a lot of the points that they were trying to make uh i am not surprised at all um it was probably settled in all honesty it's probably settled out of court or they're probably like you have no evidence here's a million dollars go away probably in all honesty it's just i mean epic is essentially printing money now um i believe john the john wick skin is now on the hundred dollar bill like it's just (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's pretty much what they're doing right now or one effort tomato head by the way right and and so essentially uh, i don't think that it, it, it probably looked it looked worse on PUBG than it did on Fortnite or epic at this point right yeah it just looked like this is a, a, a company or a game that is falling behind and then you're going to try and sue your way back into the marketplace on top of it i think they also just had like their first sale ever on the actual game yep and so there, there's a lot of downsides to to the publicity of that stunt or people will look at it uh quite differently because you you've been dragging in numbers uh functionality and all all the those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, they had a recent uh controversy with the uh, battle their first implementation of the battle pass too. So things have not been going well from like a PR standpoint. Right, right. Yeah. And so yeah, they they just kind of walked into uh they kinda, they walked into a shitstorm and now they're like, oh, "Okay, we're just going to get rid of this." Uh it probably it probably was not that simple. I'm quite certain if they went to the to the extent of paying lawyers to to essentially get this into litigation or start something, uh, words were had on the, on the on the other side of the fence, right? Like something happened, and they're just not talking about it. They were probably paid something. They're probably given a percentage or something stupid. Probably not a percentage because that's still like free money. Uh, who knows? But yeah. but this was a quick probably, turnaround. Clearly, it the, is. And clearly, the South Korean court system is far better <laughs> than our own. You know, and honestly, I think it's it's 
good because it, it it dragging on is just a something we don't need in that in the community, right? Like, no, I'd rather PUBG put those efforts into making the game better. <laughs> right, exactly. Or just figuring out loot boxes or whatever it is that they're trying to do. Yeah, they they're they're confused. They've lost their way. They really have. But that part is over. Uh, last bit of business news: the social esports platform Taunt has raised three million dollars in venture capital. If you're not familiar with Taunt, because I sure as hell wasn't before I read this, um, it's kind of like a micro betting, and there's probably an official term for this type of betting, but I am not a gambler, so I can't help you here. But it's like a micro betting app, essentially for esports. You can watch a match and you can bet on like random things that happen throughout the game. So this is like those crazy people that like put a million dollars on the coin flip in the Super Bowl, or like how many times a dude's going to do the icky shuffle or, you know, something of that nature. Like this is an app right. like literally built around that concept. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to go back and, and point out that you are in fact a gambler. Cause I feel like at the beginning of every one of these shows, we, uh, we take a chance on whether or not there'll be a show to follow it <laughs> because uh, the, the dumb things we say, but um, <laughs> Hey, we have gotten this far. I am not changing the formula. <laughs> well, I yeah, like white. Anyway. I like white knuckling it through the week, hoping I don't get fired. It's great. <laughs> I think it. I this, this is just this is interesting because it, there are a lot of little things, like I said, little nuances that you kind of um, I don't know bet on or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's not just straight up like who wins, who loses. What's the the spread that they're trying to cover? Yada yada yada. How many? Barren? It's almost like kind of like it almost feels like you're kind of playing like this little micro game around the game. Uh, it's kind of like these people who make bingo out of like events, like whenever a caster says this or whenever a player says this. It's essentially like that. Yep, except with um, money. With money. And probably CSGO skins in the future. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Whatever they can get. I mean, but this runs into the same kind of problem. It's this whole concept of like targeting kids with gambling. I believe there is a unicorn style, like currency thing around this as well but um like i'm looking at some of the examples they have on their website and it's like betting on when first blood will happen um but right now they call it points within it and i don't know how the points like equate to money at this current point but it's like so it's like it's this weird gambling thing and it's as with everything gambling and lotto-esque in esports it is riding that line of you know is it okay is it not okay um but clearly neymar is it Neymar? Yes, it feels like Neymar. Uh, I, I don't know. This is interesting. I mean, we've we've seen a lot of these small startups around the gambling, specifically in esports space, crop up in the last couple of years. So it's not surprising that another one raised funding. This just it, feels like is it using blockchain technology. Well, everything's got to use. No, if it was blockchain, <laughs> they would have raised three hundred million. Like that's that was where they missed out. If they would have done this with blockchain, it would have been perfect. Um, I, the, the big risk to me in what this whole business model represents is that what you've seen traditionally happen in the U S with gambling is the leagues can do a very good job of like freezing you out. And that's even more so in the cases where things can be guarded by the EULAs of the software around the game, right? This is how they've effectively enforced a lot of the like player, you know, responsibility things where like, Oh, it's in the EULA. You're breaking the EULA. Therefore you are breaking your player agreement. And it's the same type of thing where they can say like you and I can like that dude who built glider back in the day for wow, got the living crap suit out of him. 
Um, you could do something similar where you can say it's illegal to make any gambling based on this game and you know video rebroadcasts of this game you know lots of potential rights that you could use to push an agenda like that forward and essentially freeze out this market and say you know we don't want gambling to happen around overwatch league so therefore in the eula we can write some creative language that just you know guts all the functionality those sites would use in order to do it Um, but then you get other companies like valve that literally just leave an api open for you to do you know said type things that have been abused in the past so i guess there's multiple ways of looking at it but i just i I just worry that this is built on a house of cards as far as like an esports specific gambling market. I, I think that just describes the majority of esports uh, in general. <laughs> Taking advantage hey, really, of kids. No, well, no, not, not that. That's like I'm talking about just being built on this stuff that could crumble at any point in time. Like I feel like a lot of these startups, a lot of these things that they're going after, um, are really like just could be frozen out at any given time. The game that it's centered around could just go away or lose itself in popularity like who would have thought that a year ago that PUBG, at the rate it was going would be behind Fortnite? Right? a game we didn't even know existed or like we well, thought was like some survival horror game right right until it and it wasn't doing well until they decided hey let's do the battle royale mode and it turned out that it actually worked better than PUBG. like we you couldn't have predicted a lot of these things right yep. and so uh, it's just Esports ecosystem in general is very, very fragile. So something like this, uh, you know, it, the fact that it made three million in funding, cool. Somebody sees, you know, money in, in betting, right? Like there's just uh, there's going to be a wave of, of these. I think now as we see more betting kind of laws being, you know, more lax now or being made state by state. It, yeah, I, I just think. This isn't the first of this type of news story that we're going to get uh, by any means. And I think that number is probably only going to get bigger until it collapses, right? I mean, we'll see like so-and-so got 15. Because what's the the one um, sports betting one that had the esports – uh, side of it that was like growing incredibly like DraftKings? Yeah, yeah, Draft yeah. Because yeah, uh, fa- they do fantasy sports. Right. But they they said the esports side was just yep. like a 600% jump or something ridiculous. And almost yeah. every game, like that's another thing too, like most games now have fantasy elements built into them for the esports. Like Paladins and Smite have elements of that in it. Uh, League does, Dota does, where you're like able to actually go into the client and like make fantasy teams and run and like in the case of paladins i think you can actually like make predictions around the games and win like in-game loot or uh battle pass experience or whatever through like the gambling and betting on their game within their own game so there's a lot of different ways to do this and we've talked about this in the past but those degrees of separation are what make it interesting because if i'm gambling for fake money but that fake money ha- represents a real money value. That's a dangerous line to walk, especially when, like you said, some of these sports gambling laws start getting revisited and they make it legal, but then they put harder penalties on like getting caught gambling under 18. Like and now you have a game that like I could very easily go and make a legal argument around how, yeah, you're betting for virtual cash, but how is that any difference than chips in a casino being cashed in for money? Like it still represents right. money value. Yep, and kids kids love love playing those games and when you start they start gambling and nobody realizes that's actually what they're doing. Oh man, the news will jump all over it. It just all goes downhill. 
Yep, and it's it's so funny when it comes to children, the things that we will put regulations in place to start and stop. <laughs> kids kids can get addicted to, to vaping, and like we're like, oh, no, we're going to have to look really hard at that. They get addicted to video gaming, and it's like the WHO swooping in, calling it a disease, and all of a sudden we've got a congresswoman standing in front of you know the house like three days later. I've got a bill to outlaw video games. It's <laughs> like, great. I think you've been triggered in some way. I am super triggered show. all of a sudden. That snuck up on me. I'm just like, wow, that got real fast. <laughs> right, man. Thanks. Woo, sorry. Thanks it's intense. That. I'm going to need another beer now. I'm going to bring, bring it down a notch. We're going to take a quick break from that so Seven can recover and restock. And when we get back, we're going to talk about some roster moves and other player changes in CSGO and League of Legends. <laughs> And we are back, and the impossible is now possible, because the thing that I thought would never actually happen in some meaningful way is now happening. The Counter-Strike Professional Players Association has a thing now. They've got a board of top players with some pretty big names in CSGO as founding members of the board. We have 90 top players included in this. This is being run up by a very, very well-respected gentleman in esports, Scott Sir Scoot Smith. Um, which, you know, thumbs up to that. Like, I never thought I'd see the day. It is finally happening. We have the CSPPA. It, it is. It is. Uh, and they've partnered with Tinder. No. Um, <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say they partnered with Wesso, that I was just going to flip a table. Yeah. Well, the thing that's, uh, that's great about this is it's not just a bunch of European players, right? Or it's not just a bunch of organizations that are uh, Wesso-based. Like, when Wesso came out, we were like, okay, this is kind of a joke. And it was also... I think initially almost all European teams yep. or something like that. Like, because those are the so, only teams that matter in Counter-Strike, let's be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, at the time. <laughs> uh, well, and, and again, the, we've come full circle, I think. <laughs> You're like, uh, then but, and now, but maybe not in between. Well, you know, then and then there was January and then <laughs> since January. Uh, but <laughs> There was Cloud9 and then there was nothing else. Yeah, well, there's nothing now. All right. But no, it's, it's good because, I mean, there's people from Denmark, Brazil, United States, Netherlands, France. I mean, there's a, a solid amount of players across a variety of teams. It's not just a couple of different teams. They're, uh, I guess you could say, like, I want to say current players and then... Uh, X players involved, but there, you know, nothing is in, involved, and and he's back, sort of. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but you know, he's kind of been retired, semi-retired, um, and now he's in, involved with this, which is good because when you have players who have been in the, you know, in this scene for long enough, they've they've seen some things, man. They've seen some things, uh, and it's good that they can bring that perspective. And and Sir Scoots has been around for quite some time as well. Uh, so I think there's a lot of good perspectives here. What kind of power or how they'll be able to uh, you know, control anything or do anything uh, is something completely different. It worries me that there's – I mean, well, I guess it doesn't really worry me. There's 90 people, I think they said, involved in this. And yeah. so uh, it just – I want to I know, like, what – more about this. I want to see where they go, where they, how like, they, how are they going to operate? How are they going to leverage? Like, yeah. are they going to get contracts and deals piece. in place? Yeah. Right, and, right. and they're Who's partnering been... with the uh, Danish elite athletes association, which is basically like the governing body for athletes of any um, 
elk, including traditional sports within Denmark. So um, they got some governmental backing on it. And an important point, the membership here is all tied to individual players. Like all these people that are on the you know board, so to speak, are as players. It's not like oh, Cloud Nine has a representative, and this is like they are complete, which they should be completely agnostic of the teams that they are associated with. Which is the model we've seen play out in traditional sports as well, uh, where they're represented by their own you know players, and there's no team involvement because the whole point is literally to negotiate with <laughs> the owners. We'll see if we get. Hey, what'll be interesting is then do we get like an owners group <laughs> that comes together and then like they're like the the that's called Wessa. It's already there, oh, already God. there. No, no, no. So hey, hey, they are they have done a good job. Have, when was the last time you read a story about steroids in esports? Exactly, Wessa is doing their yeah. job. Yeah, I think you know. In retrospect, that's why that was in that press release. It's like the it's like a very Trumpian move. <laughs> like you you make up a problem, and then six months later you solve the problem. That's what Wessa has well, done. <laughs> no performance enhancing drugs in esports. But wasn't Wessa going to uh, form their own player association or give money to? That was actually right. I'm sorry. Well, that's There's been no multiple steroids. groups. There's no steroids. That's all we need to talk groups. about. Yeah, we as a league we will also form our own player association and we'll give them money. But wait. You're funding the player association, and uh, and it only it includes work. players on our team, so it's super representative, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I I, I hope uh, I know Sir Scoots has been talking about this for for quite some time. Yep. Um, I'm glad to see it kind of more out in the open and coming together more. Um, excited to see where it goes. Yeah. So, speaking of players, we got some player moves. The the dominoes fell this week, and a lot of a lot of crazy town going on right now. Um, it started with Stiko on Mouse Sports at the moment. At the time, he was benched. Um, that led to Virtus Pro sell, basically letting them buy out snacks. It's a hell of a buy. I think what, what was his buyout? Two hundred ninety thousand. Yeah, two hundred ninety thousand, which is not a bad and place compared to be. compared to what we we heard like last week, like eight hundred thousand. Uh, so, I mean, definitely yeah. somebody who's been who's seen some things who's been on that that stage uh and seen the best parts of of vp's years yep um, oh and by snacks leaving by the way um means that the record is now over for most can so virtus pro it was five years i believe they had five years of roster consistency they were the longest running record right. of their roster not changing and with snacks leaving their roster changes which is Yes. Slightly sad times. Um, but this doesn't end the merry-go-round. <laughs> um, so it looks like what has happened is Mouse Sports paid a additional fee that will allow them to have uh, snacks participating in the SL1 Cologne, which is coming up actually starting today or yesterday right. as you're listening to the show. Um, but then that left Stiko out in the cold. So then Stiko starts looking for a new team, which apparently also impacts nothing, <laughs> who is going to take the spot that Stiko gave up that they ended up giving to Snacks. And the whole thing is just like this clusterfuck of like, we just want to put somebody in a seat here. And all these rules are keeping us from uh, putting somebody in a seat. But in the end, like Stiko ends up with, I guess, the short end of the stick. Yeah, I mean, it's... <sighs> It's weird because they they changed these rules at the last minute because there were so many changes happening, and you could essentially just pay a fine uh, for making a roster change, which is really awkward and weird. 
Um, and that's essentially what happened. And what's twenty five hundred dollars when you just paid two hundred ninety thousand to sign the guy? Right, and also you're you're going to more than likely get an appearance fee anyways, which is a couple like thousands of dollars, or it depends on what team you're on and, and whatnot. But yep. uh, it's it's not much, especially when you want to essentially uh, um, get players more experience with the team. It's a way to essentially grow, and if you if they do well, I mean, you earn money. If they don't, then well, I mean, it was a practice run, and but they got to they got to actually compete at the highest level um, with their with their teammates, right? Even if it is a learning thing, but yeah, yep. So uh-huh. nothing's not yeah. going to play in Stiko's place instead we get snacks. Stiko, however, is going to play at ESL One Cologne as he is now still under contract with Mouse Sports. Is now on loan to Cloud Nine as a replacement for FNS, who has basically made it about a month ish before he got axed. So now Stiko gets a chance to, I guess, audition for Cloud9, which is what this kind of feels like. Um, so maybe he will end up on Cloud9, but yeah, this is just like a big circular thing. It's going to make ESL1 Cologne even more interesting because there's a lot of weird rosterness and a lot of like people playing together for the first time now because of this like chain of moves that is happening. Uh, there's a lot of, like I wouldn't call them unstable rosters, but certainly like um, new rosters that have not all played together. You could call Cloud Nine's roster unstable. I don't even know what the hell's going on with it. Like, well, now does it include FNS? Apparently. Well, I, yeah. After Mixwell was rumored to be playing some some more as well. Uh, remember the Optic Optic Nine or yes, the yes. Cloud Green Cloud. Like there's all these different things going on, but uh, that's evidently changed. So it's um, yeah, chaos. It's. CSGO and the teams right now are in a weird space. I think we're largely seeing them in a weird space because uh, the path to get into to some of these teams has been, um, or for talent, has been really restricted. Uh, and with the now the ownership changes, you can't own multiple teams, blah, blah, blah. People are getting released from contracts. Teams are shuffling around. Yep. Uh, and I think this is largely due to things done by Valve and by Wessa. Uh Wes's deadline, but really Valve coming in and saying you can't do this anymore. And so I think you're seeing these rosters changing up and money exchanging hands and teams exchanging hands, uh, largely because they've got to fall in line with the, these things. So it's yeah, kind of why compete, it is roster apocalypse season. If you can't compete or if you need to divest out of a couple of organizations, <laughs> moving right. players around so you don't sell your good team away. Like there's a lot of weird things going on right now, certainly. And I think we're also in a weird place talent wise. It kind of feels like the old guard from a couple of years ago and all that's you know, it's old knee sports, but the old guard from a couple of years ago is starting to like hit that decline. This is like not the first time we've seen this, but probably the most prominent point in especially Counter Strike prominence where we have seen this like aging of these superstars as they kind of age out and we're starting to see the new you know fresh blood come in and i do think there's a bit of a gap in talent right now between those i don't feel like the newbies are up to the level that we were seeing being played a year or two ago and a lot of these other players that we have that have been consistent for a long time to a large degree are now starting to decline and it feels like we're in this weird transitional stage yeah i mean and you look at virtus pro's roster and while they're still together and they're still intact. I mean, now that Snacks is gone, things have changed even more. Uh, but, you know, you've got, like, Pasha and Neo are in their 30s, which is... Uh, Ancient. Very, yeah, it, by CSGO and esports terms, uh, that's largely ancient. And so, 
uh, if you look at it, that's these are people that have held down spots on a team and in a roster for a long time, and those are uh, you know a lot of people don't get a chance to to jump in and, and play. Um, and we we talked about this like it, many times is that when you always invite the exact same number of exact same teams to like every event, and so when ESL is essentially also WESA and also is basically bringing in the same teams every time. You've locked out competition, and now you have people who have like like SK has always been at the top for like the longest time, right? And now they're not because they don't have a team because they sold it to Immortals yeah. essentially. So there's just a lot of weird roster shakeups, and this is also the time of year for it because this seems to be when a lot of those contracts are up and the shuffles start happening. It's like every time we're basically that e-league decides they want to have a premier league for csgo like that's when all the roster craziness happens um so i don't think like the sky is falling in any way shape or form it's just a lot of um, readjustment a lot of readjustment but i also think we have to be like really prepared that like at the, after this adjustment period the you know the teams may not be the top teams that we're, we're used to seeing right like yep. We've seen Liquid kind of gaining back in form. Uh, we've seen Mouse Sports kind of coming up a- again. Um, you know, Astralis and Phase are still there, but like Navi is back, and it's just like it, I don't know. This the natural the power order rankings of, of yeah, it, it's kind of the ebb and flow of, of how CS:GO. Well, we can't forget goes. we also had the Envious disband as well, right? Like with that, with the disbanding of Envious and them resetting their roster, essentially, you know, dumping all those French players, which are traditionally like we, you know, French CS:GO and the super teams. Like obviously that had run its course, but still quality players that are now you know on the open market that potentially could end up in other organizations and cause more chain reactions and roster changes. So there's a lot going on. I think you're right. We're going to still see this, like we. Depending on how closely they decide to enforce this like single ownership rule, especially because we know there's a lot of degrees of separation between um, like common owners or common stakeholders in these organizations, they may not get swept up. But if some of them do, we will see more teams either be forced to disband or sell, and that'll move more roster around. I think we got a good few more months of this before um, – I don't want to say it settles down because there's always roster craziness, but I think this is – you're right that this is being right. driven by a very specific thing. Yeah, and I think a lot of those rosters that were kind of your your ladder ranked teams, you know, not in the top ten, but were kind of working on their rosters a, a year ago, are now kind of moving up in the ranks um, because they've, they've kind of figured it out. But some of these larger teams um, who've kind of had these staple uh, rosters have, have made those changes, and and now they're kind of they've got to find their way again. Like SK's got to figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, VP's got to figure out what what's going on, and Cloud Nine. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of yeah. them out there. That still need to figure things out. But mean in the meanwhile, like Mouse Sports is just going to continue to get stronger, which they have. Uh, Liquid is starting to, to to find their form. Navi's finding form again. Uh, even we've seen like Energy, which we don't normally ever talk about. Energy is is somehow yep. back in the hunt again, and so it's it's good. I like to see fresh teams and faces in, in the scene because it gets really annoying when every major or every tournament like an IEM is essentially all the exact same teams mm-hmm. and it mean it's good for the narrative of rivalries but it's you know I, I just remember like when Doja was doing some crazy stuff on Gambit and people were just really finding out about Doja and it's just like what the hell is going on who is this man like it just 
those are those are also cool moments, and I think mm-hmm. CS:GO needs more of those. Yep, and, but it's not just CS:GO. We had some weirdness going on in NALCS over League of Legends as well. Uh, there's so this is we can take a moment. We're going to go into traditional sports land. It's a tough week if you are a Cleveland fan right now. Uh, we've got LeBron going to LA. Um, and then Medios is got traded as well. And I saw this hilarious meme flying around on Twitter that was like, Cleveland loses two legends. And it's like Medios walking away and LeBron walking away, which I actually thought was pretty cool. Um, but there's a little bit of controversy around this. So if you've not been following, uh, Medios got traded to FlyQuest. This is the first time in NALCS history that a starting player has been traded, which is kind of crazy. He initially, if you follow him on Twitter, appeared to be pretty shocked by the whole concept. Uh, There's a lot of controversy about why he got traded. Because he was starting, he got traded onto a team where actually they didn't have a starting spot for him, allegedly. And he deleted that tweet that he claimed that. So that has not been verified yet. But at the time, he had said that you've traded me and I don't even have a starting spot and I have no interest in playing in the Challenger series. So... I don't know what's going on. Um, 100 Thieves came out the next day with a press release stating that he actually asked for the permission to talk to other teams um, because he felt there was internal team chemistry issues. Now, what is interesting here is actually both of those things can be true. And I think that's part of the narrative that has been missed here is everybody has read that 100 Thieves press release and, oh, they're contradicting him. Like, no, I think what happened is, is he asked for the ability to speak with other teams and they decided to trade him it may not have been that he wanted to go to fly quest because clearly they did not have the situation that he thought he was walking into so he clearly did not ask for the fly quest trade but i think the fact that he indicated he wanted to switch organizations is probably why they went and traded him yeah more than likely they probably saw that uh he wasn't working well with the team or that uh his allegiance to the team uh w- wasn't where it needed to be and, and maybe they need to make a, a, a change uh and so what ends up happening is you're like you know i would like to entertain offers elsewhere you're like okay cool peace out like it's like it's when you just, go and give notice at a job they're like you know what you just go ahead and go home right right it's exactly what it is or it's like yeah fine we don't need you for those two weeks peace out we'll, we'll save the money right like yep. it's it's largely what it was and it's hard to tell because we don't know what's going on inside this or that organization. It could have been something as simple as a miscommunication somewhere. Uh, Medios could have talked to FlyQuest and thought, okay, I'm, I, this is where I want to go, but it wasn't clear as when or where or what was going on. It could be that also that, uh, there could have been another trade that is also happening and he kind of jumped the gun, right? Like we, we've seen this before as a, a team kind of, You'll see someone exit a team, but there's also another trade that's happening, right? It kind of starts a domino effect of mm-hmm. of trades. Um, and so by immediately jumping, like, there's nowhere for me to start. I'm like, well, hey, chill out. Like, somebody else is moving or who knows? Um, I don't know if that's the case here, but. No, and there's a lot of people that this, this brought up a lot of player responsibility and contract concerns in that. They felt like Medios had a little protection in this situation because here's a starting player. He asks for the ability to entertain offers. He begins what basically is like a very retaliatory or reactionary trade as you laid out because you're like, you're like, oh, well, this guy's checked out. 
uh, will piece him out. And then he ends up going to a team without any knowledge. He doesn't get any approval of the situation. If you look at, again, how this is largely handled in traditional sports, there's mechanisms for like approvals of trades, and some players have like right of first refusal or no trade clauses or whatever. And that's very tightly managed by the Players Association because the control you have during a trade negotiation as a player is a big deal because you're basically like oh you're just horse trading me and i don't get any say in like where i end up and that's what people felt like happened here with medios because regardless of whether he asked for this or not the narrative is still the same in that he didn't have a whole lot of control of the situation and literally got traded to a team he can't even start for yeah, which is never a good thing. And it, it's right. I mean, a lot of these players should have some kind of representation, uh, should be worked into their contracts. It's it, uh, maybe even Riot needs to step in and, and figure out things with these contracts um, in terms of it, it has to be okayed by a player, the move as well. So it's not just um, it's not just up to the team. But then that's also kind of jumping a little bit further into letting teams run their teams, right? And so yep. uh, Riot historically has tried to step away from that largely and just kind of play dumb. If you're not, uh, if you're not breaking can. any of the regulations of LCS, right. then that's all they care about. Right. Um, and so it's there, there are some gray areas there. But I, I think we're, we're definitely at a stage now from an esports standpoint that um, in CSGO or in League of Legends or... Um, hell, even in games like Hearthstone and and Paladins and anything else, where if you're in a team environment and you're signing a contract, you should have somebody look at it, right? Yeah. Um, and I and we've largely knowing, seen that hasn't been the case. Like if you follow Richard Lewis on Twitter, for example, the, the examples right. of pl- horrible player contracts that he puts on there they are pretty abysmal. Well, yeah, and if you also look at it, I mean, you think about all these stories and and the history of just contracts and craziness alone in League of Legends. You'd think if a contract is put in front of you, like you want to have somebody look at it, but it's there are also not a lot of, it's an, uh, I guess you could say, agents uh, who are really into esports, right? And yep. and so there are a, a handful that I know of personally, and they seem to be working for a lot of different teams. They're, they're working in a lot of gray areas as well, like working for a player, but also working for the a team at the same point in time for certain right. aspects. And so. Uh, I don't know. I, it's, I think the, the players association, which was created, which was, I think double if also mocked, uh, but yeah. he is VP of like it is, should have some kind of, um, direction or should ha- give something to the players or provide something, uh, just from a service standpoint or whatever it is like, just even a, a warning saying, Hey, if you're going to sign a contract, go through this agent or talk to somebody, whatever it may be. And Riot can put something simple in place here where, like, they will not accept the contract as official in the LCS unless, like, a lawyer has signed off on for both parties. Like, it's very simple. Just do that. And then if you want to provide lawyer services of some sort, that's fine. But I actually think that being independent is probably better. But you have, I mean, you have challenges either way. Like, the, the team could steer them towards a friendly lawyer. But, like, starting with even something right. as basic that legal review is required uh, by independent lawyers on both sides is a pretty low-cost way of trying to work some sort of, like, oversight into the system. Because these player contracts sometimes can be bad. But then some would argue that, like, this is not... Like, yeah, it sucks for Medios, but in the end, like, it's not that abysmal if you look at it in the grand scale. Like, they had a player that they were worried about was not bought into the organization. They traded it where they could get the most value. That 
also happens yeah. you know if you don't have a no trade clause that can happen to you so it's a it's a weird area it feels shitty because it does feel like he's being punished now in retrospect for not wanting to you know or wanting to explore other opportunities because he wasn't happy with the team but you know the, them's the breaks unfortunately so we will see how that all uh ends up if i didn't mention um andy and hong uh from fly quest is who ended up getting traded over to 100 thieves which they just claim that's a better option for them so we'll see uh, also, this happened last week. Uh, TSM head coach Song has been demoted and replaced with interim head coach Lustboy for TSM. This is not surprising if you've been paying close attention to what's been going on with TSM and not just like obviously the record and the fact that they did not make it to the finals of a summer split for the first time ever um, or the end of any split this last spring split that is that, that tells you something they also had a pretty poor start they've recovered a bit now but they uh, after they won two in a row in week one they lost both their matches in week two and they gave uh, Song the old boot now they're back up to four and two it's early in the season so there's you know that, there's not a lot of spread between the worst and the best team unless you're cloud nine at one and five right now um but overall like it seems like a good move you've been following the matches closely you've seen like there have been some very obvious poor draft decisions which he's been responsible for that people believe is like you know he's he's losing his touch um and tsm has suffered from a bit of identity crisis after they failed you know for the what third time i think it is at worlds to get any real traction um, so the people's heads were probably already on chopping blocks as we moved. They made some controversial roster moves at the beginning of the summer or at the beginning of the spring split. Um, and so it's not surprising that they've struggled, but they haven't seemed to have been able to recover. And I think that's the problem here is like, okay, we gave you the better part of like a split plus to sort out this new roster and these changes and to make the adaptations we feel like we need to make at coming out of worlds last year. And clearly they don't feel like it was moving in the right direction. Yeah, and also if you're not able to do a lot of the the basics to even enable or help your team in terms of like drafting choices or even in terms of scouting out the other teams and scrims or whatever it may be, just understanding your competition is is a large portion of it. And I also feel that uh, coaches tend to also be a, a bit of a scapegoat, right? Um, when this it comes is, this down is the to the sports like, way, right? It's right. the manager, not the not the employees. Right. So uh, when you bring in an interim coach or you bring in somebody else and, and things don't step up, um, it's it, we're more than likely going to see players shifting after that. Right. I'm I'm really surprised that uh, I guess if you start off two up and then lose two again, like, OK, uh, yeah, maybe you haven't shown a, a return to form. Right. But uh, it is pretty early. I, that's why I think this has yeah. to be like a long running thing. I also imagine they're looking at things far more minute than the record. Like it's probably like the, th- right, the themes right, we right. see play out. The draft has been a problem. Um, so I, I don't doubt that that's been the case. But, you know, in his defense, also these some of these roster moves, I think like Mike Young was one of the examples of just like, you know, they let this stuff happen. <laughs> and they made some questionable moves and it hasn't fully worked out for them because if anything they've declined as opposed to gotten better from their form from last season so we'll see how that all plays out it's still early goings um real quick we also had the uh, hct summer championships that happened this past weekend and it was largely dominated by europe uh this go around in fact three of the top yeah. four were europeans yeah i think when we got into the top eight there was four european players but uh ironically it was germany versus germany in the i think the quarterfinals 
And and so it was Bunny Hopper versus Viper. And I'd actually had a chance to talk to Bunny Hopper beforehand, before the tournament. And uh, Viper was like the person I think he had also trained with and brought a very similar lineup with. Um, and so one of the things that was interesting was during his questioning, people would ask like, well, who do you think the best player is here? And he's like, well, I think Viper. And they're like, well, what happens if you run into Viper? He's like, if I lose, if I make it all the way to the point where I had to play Viper and I lose, like, I know I lost probably the best person here. And he ended up reverse sweeping him oh, um, nice. and then continue. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Uh, and end up uh, reverse sweeping him, make it all the way through to the final and winning. Uh, my predictions for race uh, did not work out well, obviously. I'm a zero pack <laughs> kind of gal. Um, it's, yeah, it's like your I, Geico tournament record. Right. I, I mean, I question maybe a ban and there was um, a couple plays where, he might have been a uh, maybe I wouldn't say a misplay, but you, when you play as a warrior uh, against uh, the warrior deck is actually what what lost him at uh, largely because he ended up playing against uh, warlock both times, and that's a really hard one. You have to be able to like really uh, you have to play really greedy and you have to win. You have good brawls, and he uh, I think seventy five percent of the time had the worst outcome in brawls, uh, so therefore lot went on to never continued on i however did great on ladder with it but uh uh but <laughs> you have only, to play really greedy if only you were competing. Yeah. but it does it, it boils down to essentially what is a coin flip and uh and he also made one misplay which put him behind and so he didn't make it out and but there was uh, uh now godon which is we we had hoped uh, i think he made it through to the quarterfinals i uh, had hoped he would make it further giving uh um someone from uh He's from Argentina, but just giving that uh, South America region so, uh, another person to kind of like carry the banner, you know, carry the banner, right? Um, overall, I think uh, it's a, a good tournament in the sense that there was a lot of variety. We saw everybody, we, we saw eight different classes banned, which has not been seen before, uh, which shows you how the meta is doing. Killing All Day made it. There was a, uh, he made it through to the top four, so he will actually get to go to Worlds. So yep. all four of these are going to go to Worlds. They're also guaranteed a yeah. small prize at that point. Last year it was twenty five thousand, just for like those. Yeah. Thanks for showing up, prize. That's one of the weird things about the tournament. Is like if you make it to the top four, you're just at the point you're like, cool. I you just everybody just kind of goes into Worlds mode, and if I win these next two rounds, I win these next two rounds. Um, but some of the the side things that are also make it a little more worthwhile to place higher is the whole team. Uh, aspect and so by you know by ho- by bunny hopper placing higher sk gaming uh gets more points from a team standpoint in the yep. team league so uh there's some there's some neat things going on with at least the points standpoint uh but it does seem weird that like really all they're looking for is to get to the top four so they can try and make it a world yeah right? like, like book that book that finals you know the one million dollar prize pool but he still yeah. takes some sixty thousand dollars plus 20 hct points like you said all four of uh the top four will make it europeans own two world championships they're the the only ones with multiples and they're, they're looking pretty good for a third yeah i think uh when it comes down to the actual like seasonal championships uh europe now holds uh, more than all of the other countries, other regions, regions combined. combined. Yeah, of yeah, like North America, the you know every other, you know, adding in China, all the above. So yep. it's kind of hard to say that they're not a really good region for yeah. Hearthstone. Yeah, no shit. All right, well, we're gonna take a quick break. Blake, Burke, Burke. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, a hamster, um, some racists, and they're not racist hamsters or homophobic hamsters. They're just homophobic. Um, And then some ridiculous news. No American girl dolls this week, but we'll be right back. All right, so we got to make a Miley Cyrus joke here because that's what you do. But uh, oh, yeah. it came in like yeah. a wrecking ball. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so people are like that was cool five years ago, Brian. Shut your face. <laughs> um, Hammond is here. He's not called Hammond. He's wrecking ball. Hammond is a hamster, not a monkey. For all of you who stereotyped that it must be a monkey because there was a banana in the bed, but nope, hamsters like bananas too. There's also carrots, and people didn't notice. So I'm just saying. This is the most ridiculous hero. I'm going to go on the record right now. The most ridiculous concept of a hero that Blizzard has come up with. Like, this is... Everyone's obsessed with Rocket Cat. <laughs> like, you know, that's like the thing that they right, thought was right. going to happen. This may actually be as absurd as Rocket Cat. I, I feel like this is the... Uh, this is the follow-up to Rocket Cat. I think this is... They took Rocket Cat back to the drawing board, and they're like, well, okay, let's stuff a hamster in a ball. Like... You you know that it's along the same lines of this is the um, I don't know to hold them over whoever was the creator of the rocket cat. It's like okay okay, okay we get have it. A people like the ball. rocket cat. Here's a hamster in a ball. Yeah. Um. So he's a tank specializes in burst damage. Uh, has some area control. The yeah, weirdest knockup is nice. Yeah. The he's got a ton of weird new mechanics. So he's got this momentum ability where you can use like what kind of looks like uh, Widowmaker's uh, like grappling hook that you can grab onto things and swing around, and you can actually build up momentum. And it gets like this orange Nova kind of effect, and you can knock into people. Um, you could also use the crouch button, and this is the first time that they have modified that functionality in a hero. And when you're in midair, if you hit the crouch button, it will actually slam down and do a pile driver move that knocks people away. And a significant amount. It's not just like a little bump. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Obviously, like has a large amount of burst damage, uh, a low clip size. I believe 80 is the clip on this one, but like a pretty rapid fire um, on his main fire and then it's got this interesting shield concept that rewards you for being in the heat of things because you actually get a larger shield based on the amount of enemies around you, which is another new concept. Um, and then a pretty interesting area control-based ultimate. So it is a, a, a lays out a bed of mines. Those mines are infinitely persistent but can be destroyed. And when people hit them, like they bounce all over the place, so they can potentially hit multiples. It's it's a, a very interesting. Like something you drop on the point. Like when you drop on a point, you are going to be able to at least catch a couple of people in it if they're not paying attention. So very interesting concept in general. Um, from a thematic standpoint, this is just bloody absurd. But this feels like a very high skill cap character. Um, that will be played by a bunch of very low skill cap <laughs> players <laughs> yeah. on in randos. But like uh, this feels like the type of character that a is going to be massively meta changing. Like, what does this do to dive? What does this do? Like, there's just a lot of weird things to go with this. Um, 
the other thing that's interesting about it is like I feel like your your Sabiobis, your Pines, your like super high Twitch skilled characters are gonna have a absolute riot with this character and it will probably reward skill in a way we have not seen in Overwatch in quite a while. But this is overall like a huge surprise while also being exactly what we predicted, which was Hammond was going. Yeah, and there's uh there's a lot of cool maneuvers you can do with like being able to like swing through a bridge multiple times. Uh, you kind of end up like looping it almost like a like a swing. Yeah, I saw somebody uh, and, do and, that on the uh the temple portion of um Anubis. Anubis and it's just like yeah, yeah. swinging around a statue over and over again. I saw someone like uh I think it was maybe King's Row able to like uh kind of i guess you could say kind of back cap but they were able to get on the payload by kind of doing the same thing that most people do with pharaoh which is dip down below at the very very end and then shoot rocket jump back up uh and then get behind enemy lines right there at the, the final point where you're trying to push the payload yep, yep. Uh, and so but they're able to kind of do the same thing which is just like roll off and then swing back swing themselves back up and uh and then pile drive right back down on on the payload and hey look i'm sitting right there and you just win so there's uh there are a lot of cool maneuvers with it and he can really get going um i do wish he would have been called hammond and not wrecking ball just wrecking ball is stupid every time i I say the cannon i get the cannon of it right being that no one knows the hamsters there despite him jumping out every time you emote but Right, right, right. I, I'm just, as I think I mentioned in Discord, uh, I'm just happy that there's finally a, a hero I can cosplay, right? Like, Yeah, just, I mean, it, my current shape in a ball is, like, pretty pretty close. Like, And then you could, dude, you can put one of the kids on your head and, and put give it a little hamster ears. Like, this is totally like a father child halloween costume situation but before the uh before the show i was almost in that uh like fetal position thinking that the mixer had like uh, not survived the move <laughs> so i was starting i You're was like, working on it i'm rolling around yeah. and i have to say even though it's like painfully obvious here if we don't get some sort of riff on a pokeball and pikachu like i don't know what we're even living for like uh, I can think of plenty story. of other things. I'm not a big Pokemon kind of gal, but you know, yeah. But plenty of people are okay. It's not just about okay. You. I know it is about me this time because <laughs> this is my hero. This is my cosplay effort. <laughs> oh, you know what I can't wait for is the inevitable uh, Jessica Negri sexy Hammond. Like, what will that look like? Uh, <laughs> I just love how she could make the she made Roadhog look good. So I'm just very curious to see what Sexy Hammond ends up looking like. I don't know. I feel like you could just Google furry and find a way. I yeah, but know. do you dress up as Hammond or are you the ball? Do we do we bypass this topic and move on? To oh man, I'm saying we're trying to solve the the big important things. Uh, sticking to Overwatch, I want to talk about this for a couple of minutes because I I have some. I'm hold, tr- on, hold on, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. We we can't totally rip on how bad esports journalism is and then spend like ten minutes on the show talking about cosplaying as a hamster in a ball. No, that Just is saying. what is missing from esports journalism. Okay. We are not re- right, right. we are not recapping a match. We we also aren't journalists, so yeah, that's we have good, never right? claimed to be journalists. There is no there journalism go. happening here. Let's, let's be clear. <laughs> this is clearly an opinion based show. Um, so Overwatch endorsements. So this was coming with the new looking for group tool, the new Symmetra. Uh, this hit live in the past weekish. And if you're not familiar, real quick, this is giving the ability. This is trying to put some more social capital and and checks and balances in the system to reduce toxicity in Overwatch. And spoiler alert. 
I think this is freaking awesome. So you get 50 XP for endorsing either players on your team or players on the opposing team for one of three categories, sportsmanship, good teammate, or shot caller. You can only use the sportsmanship one for the opposing team. Uh, there's a bunch of rules in place to keep people. I'm not going to bore you with them, but keep people from like gaming the system. Uh, you eventually build up levels very, very slowly. There's only five levels. Um, they're going to give rewards out that they've yet to actually talk about. Uh, they threw some loot box examples out there, but they're going to give awards away periodically for people in good standing it has decay um and it turns out that that was the perfect way to ensure people are at least pretending to be nice because you gave them another thing that they have to grind and it's like the whole level thing i must get to peak level because there's rewards and what if there's an exclusive i may miss um i think it's great fake nice or not which is like this thing that has been coined unsurprisingly by vox um the to speaking of you know ragging other outlets um that like i don't care if it's fake nice or not this has been the best week of online play i've had in overwatch since the game came out everybody is nice as hell i don't have anybody trolling me i can one trick junk rat all night long and no one gives a crap like it has completely changed my experience i don't know if that is everybody's experience but i don't care it's all about me you got your cosplay <laughs> i want my endorsements this is you awesome. want your fake nice fake yeah. nice all day long well i mean i Toxicity in any game is always a problem, right? It's especially it's been something that uh, you know the Overwatch team has tried to fight repeatedly over and over and over again. Uh, and if this is working, fake nice or not, it, the thing is, is it's not people being shitty towards each other, right? So um, it, it hasn't led to people kind of gaming the system so much yet, or uh, essentially being worse to people. Uh, trying to make, I don't know, I, I don't know, just trying to one-up itself. Usually when you get into competition, people get really, really shitty with, shitty with each other. Um, so the fact that, yeah, I don't, if it works, it works. doesn't matter if it's fake or not. Nope. It's, it's you're saying, hey, you're having fun playing Junkrat, and so five other people are like, oh, Junkrat guy, but I want 50 experience. Just screw it. <laughs> right? Like, yep. But in the end, you're like, hey, guys, I'm having so much fun playing Junkrat. It's like... I Living know. the dream. Who doesn't love <laughs> yeah. playing Junkrat? I'm just saying. I'm kidding. But, yeah. <sighs> why you gotta Why you gotta hate? I unendorse you, sir. Enjoy that level decay. Fine. Okay, fine. I'm swiping <laughs> the other direction. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, bringing a full circle. Moving on, uh, wouldn't be no. I, I, okay, I was going to be cynical and say it wouldn't be a week in esports without some homophobic language flying around. But I will say I have been proud of you, esports. I'm speaking to esports generally. If I had like this is like um, what is it? Stephen Colbert has like the hard camera for the president. This is me speaking to the esports camera. You've been doing so well. I almost jinxed us last week by making a comment that man, we have gone a significant amount of time, mostly because Overwatch League is on break, without players saying horrible things and getting themselves in trouble. Um, but the LA Gladiators, I remix somehow in the off season, still finding ways to stream and say stupid stuff. Um, he dropped some offensive language, homophobic slur on one of his streams. Um, he's been fined $2,000 and he wrote a handwritten apology, which means he typed an apology, um, after the fact. The I think the part that bothers me with this beyond the obvious thing we've beat the, that horse to death on is that just like the punishments are all over the flipping place for people. Like it's like sometimes a small fine, sometimes it's like suspended for multiple games. 
Um, the, the team can institute stuff in addition to what the league institutes. It's really hard. Not saying that, look, mm-hmm. just not being an a-hole should be enough deterrent for not saying these things. But if you need a deterrent, knowing what the punishment is going to be when you say something would be possibly useful for that um especially when you get into the more gray areas just to be clear not a gray area but like you know being held responsible for their stream behavior comes with such a weird array of potential punishments um it's really hard for me to understand exactly what the punishment is here or what the standards that overwatch league is trying to set well i I think the punishment here is just the two thousand dollars right yeah, which is what like. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what reason why I'm saying this is because I think we've seen before uh, the actual precedent of someone getting fined for it's just been so much, right? Like, but I can't even uh, keep track someone of from Overwatch being fined for saying something bad on stream. However, there was someone who did say something a homophobic slur, homophobic slur about somebody another player and that's where they changed that and they yep. were actually deducted uh or sorry uh, banned for a, a couple of different games uh penalized games because they said it about another player in the league right um so a slip up or whatever it may be i didn't see it i don't know i don't care to go and find it um i've watched uh, just, i've watched too much of this too many clips of people saying stupid <laughs> stuff on. right uh and so that's the difference and i guess um yeah, it, it's. I don't know if it's. It's hard to figure out what the punishment is going to be. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't understand why people can't just be normal. <laughs> I, I know guess. it's. It's kind of ridiculous. But and the other angle that these punishments can come from too is Twitch as a platform, right? Like that's what we forget is not only are these folks streaming, or not only are they involved with the Overwatch League, but they're streaming on Twitch's platform. And we've seen Twitch like as recently as this past week when Destiny got banned for 30 days for a, a array of homophobic slurs being thrown around. Um, and that's in addition to a couple other ones that came down. Like Twitch also goes after you. Now, obviously, in those cases, they're often banning you from the platform for a set amount of time, which sometimes, as we've seen, can cost significantly more than $2,000, depending on, on how popular of a streamer yeah. you are. So you can get attacked from multiple different angles on this, and that's something you need to be aware of. Like one or two of these can really beyond like what happened with like XQC. Like that's obviously like a big blown out thing that cost the, the the guy his you know Overwatch League career. But beyond that, like you're not making a ton of money, and you go and get yourself in trouble with the LA Gladiators and with Overwatch League, and you lose a significant portion of your streaming revenue, whether that's you know being partially going to the team or not. Like That's a bad place to be in, and one or two of those yeah. screw-ups can cost you a significant amount of your salary. That is, uh, that's, that's actually something interesting that I don't know if we've ever really discussed, is uh, as a player and when you're streaming, you're, you're punishable by your team, you're punishable by the league, and by Twitch, right? And so... If you are kicked from 30 days from, from Twitch and you can't stream and it's in your contract and that contract has a deal with, say, Jack in the Box or your 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 team has a deal with Jack in the Box to stream. Yeah, we're going to stream so X hours. number of hours. Yep. Right. And now you, you can't fulfill that part uh, of your your duties or, or of your contract. Like What happens then, right? Um, or does Overwatch League have something in place that says, hey, uh, you know, be when one of our team, our members, or our streamers does something, we will find them. We'll take care of it. Don't boot them off, right? Maybe that's part of one of their deals. It wouldn't surprise me if that is. Like we will. Because well, you got to cover your ass there, because you can get yourself in trouble, like you yeah. said, with these player contracts. We, a, a 
good portion, especially for the players that are not on the roster currently. Like we tend to see this a lot more as they are often just like streaming because they're not scrimming as much. And their primary value at that stage, especially before the two-way player rules that they're instituting for next season, like the variety of the value to them is like Seagull streaming because he hasn't played for an entire stage, for example, right? Like, And you are bringing these people on oftentimes as content creators to a certain degree as well and not being able to fulfill that is important. So I wouldn't be surprised if like there was some deal in place with Twitch to stop that because I was trying to think back and I cannot remember any of these Overwatch League things that primarily have happened on personal streams have not resulted in any action from Twitch that I can remember. No, no, they they haven't, and which makes me now think that uh, when something like this happens, like for instance, uh, Destiny saying it, and the amount of money that he makes in an average day is uh, and will would have made during that uh, thirty days essentially ban uh, far exceeds. <laughs> two thousand dollars right yes. uh and so now um he's being far more punished than than we we see an overwatch player being punished uh and is it because there's a, a contract stipulation with between the overwatch league and twitch or blizzard and twitch or or i don't know we are in a very if there's ever a gray area it is called Twitch's way of of handling and banning people right like they, they won't no let youtube out to it no, no, there's like no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, I mean, I think you have to like, I, I don't know, take one of those like bats, put it on your head and like spin around on the ground a bunch and like look at a star chart and a scattering of bones to determine what the ban is actually going to be or why they're being banned. And like, yep. the, I, not to say that like what Destiny did or Mo did recently was, was, I'm not defending that. Uh, I'm just saying that they're super inconsistent of, their ban terms and yep. lengths and what they sometimes ban. Yeah, and sometimes your popularity either helps or hurts you in some cases. Like right, and right. That, that's yeah, it's weird. But I'd be very interesting if anybody has any info. Like, definitely hit us up on the twitters at Nerf This Crew. Like, if there's been any information around like how Twitch has been extricated, seemingly extricated from any of these Overwatch punishments, um, because clearly they're breaking the EULA as far as, or the guidelines on Twitch by doing these things, but there's been no punishment handed down to those players via Twitch. So interesting. Moving along to our, our new favorite segment, which is just ridiculous esports news. We got quite a few entries this week. Um, I want to start with one that is a follow-on from the one we talked about last week about Myth and his uh, custom vans. Apparently somebody heard us and was like, yeah, well, we'll make you sound like a bunch of asshats because 100 Thieves has partnered with StockX, um, which is primarily a fashion startup that has in the same space if you're so if you're like a sneakerhead like me or, or you're into like streetwear there's a lot of these type of of apps and sites available grailed goat um that do a lot of like fashion verification for reselling of clothing and things of that nature and they have partnered with 100 thieves who um both related to the cavaliers there's been some investment um in them by the cavaliers as well it's an, it's an interesting thing again this is like one of those weird things like i don't know that i would ever associate esports and fashion in any meaningful way um this is not necessarily i don't know i think there's it's a, it's that weird thing where they kind of pawn it off as a, an endemic but it really is like a non-endemic in that like well we're going after millennials and you have millennials and that's really what a lot of these things are starting to boil down yeah. to um which is actually a good indicator right if we're if we're going in there because of the demo selling as opposed to like 
the ho- the shared hobby. It's more just like, hey, we want you know kids fifteen to twenty four or whatever. Um, that's certainly a thing. But this is just an interesting partnership because they're they're two worlds that I think collide in the FGC very much. We've talked about this in the past where it's like the FGC and anime and hip hop and street culture are like very closely associated in FGC. Um, as it gets less diverse from a player standpoint compared to the FGC, like this is becomes a little bit of a weirder sell to me as far as like hundred thieves and league of legends and streetwear and high fashion, just a weird marriage, I guess. I, I think we're actually going to start seeing a lot more of this. Uh, I think if you start looking at things that uh, like meta threads are doing, yep. Um, Which one of my favorite I, brands, by the way, I'm not just saying that. Yeah. I want them to send us stuff. <laughs> we're on the hat currently uh but uh, no I, I mean i love meta meta threads and i love what they do but esports fashion has largely been around like the jersey right but then there's uh i guess you could say a jersey whatever um and so they're they're doing some cool stuff in that space they're partnering with other people i don't know if you saw what they did recently with xbox right meta threads redid all of xbox's uh jerseys and, yep. and clothing lines as well as mixers and i mean that stuff looked awesome and yes. uh so i think there's and their booths are always packed at conventions like every time they show up oh, at yeah. like a pax or something it's like insane yeah and so there are a few different groups out there uh, approaching uh, fashion i guess you could say within esports uh, i don't know if they're painting up some vans but they are essentially uh, trying to find their way in that space and I think there are a lot of people that originally kind of sort of did it, like Jinx did originally, right, from a gaming standpoint. Yep. Um, it just It's kind of natural to cater to the audience in a different way. And we start seeing, especially when you, these like large tournaments where people are coming on stage, and especially within like CSGO, we see it uh, quite a bit more than anything, like at a major, and they're coming on stage. Like people looking like, what, they, what are they wearing? Some of the behind-the-scenes stuff you see. Uh, yep. So I think fashion is very much a, a thing. I definitely, you definitely see trends within players uh, and within games and within leagues. And uh, you do occasionally see someone wearing shorts for some random ass reason. <laughs> uh, like I was watching the HTT summer stuff, and I'm like, why? You know, you're going to go out in front of essentially like thirty five to fifty thousand people, uh, depending on the audience and peak size, and you're just going to wear like sweatpants and shorts or something like that. And I'm like. What? I don't know. I just just mean. Clearly, they but, need to uh, partner with StockX so they can up their 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 fashion game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking so. of upping your fashion game, the best way to do so is going to be with your new PSD Ninja branded underwear. That right. is a thing uh, now. So uh, it looks like an esports jersey for your crotch. <laughs> everything I just said was wrong. Uh, <laughs> fashion should just make a quick exit because we've we've got horrible idea. We've changed our mind. Within like 30 seconds of me saying, hey, we should see more. No, we should no, just stop. No. And it is like super overkill, too. I saw some mock-ups of it, and they just looked like it was like you wore an esports jersey. It's like an esports jersey for your nether regions. It's like I just need Ninja and his number on my ass cheeks, and I've like gone the whole Monty. It's, uh, I don't it just, know. Just, just says nothing on the on the front. Yep. No. <laughs> yep. A little Cloud9 logo in the oh. back. Well, now it's now it's Optic Nine. So, Optic Nine. Yep. yep. Shorts just Anyways. turned green. Uh, so, PSD is giving away five thousand pairs of uh, Ninja underwear via a random drawing. You can also pre-order uh, the Ninja Collection, branded as Ninja Storm, and they will ship in the next fifteen yeah. to twenty days. Do you think he says that to his wife? He's just like, "Are you ready for the Ninja Storm?" 
Yeah, but you know what? I mean, he did save out five that he said he would actually wear and then sell to you packaged. Like they do in Japan in the vending machines? Is that what's... Exactly, exactly. Good God. He could... could you you could get it delivered with your meal through Uber Eats. Yes, because he's way. also partnered with Uber Eats. Look at you with the pro transition. And the question is, is can I order the PSD underwear via Uber Eats? That's like, I'm so lazy that I need Ninja Branded underwear delivered to my home. Along with some nachos. With some, like, chicken McNuggets. <laughs> but... Oh man, I don't know. There's there's a lot of weird. Uh, speaking of gray areas, there's a lot of gray areas there uh, that we could venture into. I'm getting and, old. They turn gray. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> I I that's just not, that's not where I was going with it. But now you've gone that that direction. I just want to go back to the part of the show where we were talking about uh, hamster cosplay uh, because that was that was better than where we what, have currently so, landed. This is the, this is why this segment is my, at the end of the show. One of my happier moments, one that I won't be so scarred from. Yes. Yep, yep, sorry. You know, you're, you act like you're new to this. But as silly as this all is, like this also follows the deal that he did with Red Bull. He is the big, you know, questionably esports. Like I'll argue he's more of a streamer than, you know, it's directly related to esports as people are trying to make it out to be. But in the end, he's the most popular thing we have had in a very long time in gaming. Like I, I can't think of a more prominent individual to come out of our gaming culture and still be representing gaming. Like, obviously we've had people who've started and like made bigger names for themselves um, through like acting and things of that nature. But like he's representing gaming and he is being recognized in a, as a pop culture reference specifically to his streaming. And that's a pretty big deal. I know we harp on this a lot. We give you a lot of shit for the Drake commentary, but like it, it still yeah. continues. Like he's got he's got more brand co- you know panache than uh, anybody has had in esports, and we can't be hypocritical. This is something very early on we have called for and said that like until esports gets this LeBron or it's MJ, that's going to be hard. And he's the closest thing I think we have to it right now. Like he's damn good at Fortnite, and he there is he's synonymous with streaming and video games and esports right now. I I agree. Uh, he's kind of popping up like everywhere. Um, it's it's good that he's not like a terribly horrible person. Um, right. Or have like so it's it's good that that's at least out there, and so people aren't seeing what he's doing and then immediately going to their their uh, that would be lawmakers. A, that'd be a hell of an expensive homophobic slur, by the way. If Ninja were to get a thirty day ban. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, because remember yeah. when he accidentally we, dropped the end bomb? Like that could have been pricey. It could have been. It could have been. Uh, I don't know. He's he's done some things to protect himself. I think he he has to at this point in time. Um, when you're when you're making an entire house a month in salary, you got to do that crap. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Also in Fortnite, uh, a Fortnite player broke the solo kills record by griefing people during the rocket launch. I don't know whether I love this or hate this, but like kudos, like. I mean, if you're going to be an a hole, at least accomplish something with being. An I a-hole. guess he took out a uh, took out a ramp and watched. Uh, what was the? Did you get the actual number? the The amount it was something like forty something, or was it sixty? Uh, I have to go back and, and double forty eight players previ- at one time. Right, and the previous record was thirty three. So yep. yeah, there you go. That's a pretty good, uh, sizable kill. Yeah, even though everybody in in the uh, the map decided that they would not at all. 
like there would be no no shooting, no killing. No so it's got to be that one person. No griefing, and this one dude times it right right at the end and just kills everybody. <laughs> and they're all probably just doing their. I saw a lot of people doing their popcorn memes as they were watching the uh, watching the rocket go up. And now out now the new latest. I mean, I, again, like I know we say this a lot, but I got to praise Epic one more time here because man, they have kept interest in that damn game for a game with no fracking story. Now it's like, oh, the crack that appeared in the sky after the rocket launch is getting bigger every day. Well, the, well, it's also their first real live event that they pulled off and yep. and had no issues, right? So they're doing an that's amazing a, job. It's a tough one, yeah. And people that's like we we had the whole like uh, meteor situation and then, like all the broadcasts of the TV. Now I got the rocket launch, and now I got this crack in the sky. They have found interesting ways to keep people like just like messing with that game. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's hard to fault them for doing that <laughs> because it's like they've just done it clearly in a much, much better way than PUBG has managed. Not to stick another, you know, poke into that wound a little more, but it's it's a pretty <laughs> thing's pretty awesome. Whew. Well, that's going to do it for this show. I think we have said more than enough that's going to get ourselves in trouble. Uh, but if you want to check us out, you can do that every Tuesday. We are on iTunes, Overcast, PocketCast, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And, of course, you can subscribe to the show via RSS. All those links are over at nerfthis.gg. Um, also, make sure to check out our daily show, which you can also get the podcast feed or you can also check us out on Amazon Alexa. We are there uh, every Monday through Friday. We tried out a new thing this week on Fridays. We are now running down some of the more major non-recurring esports events and uh, when they'll be happening on Twitch. So if you're just you know wanting to dabble in other esports, that is a good way to check that out. So please do check out Esports Daily on iTunes and on the Amazon Alexa Skill Store. Um, and as always, we appreciate the reviews. Have any feedback? You love us, you hate us, you uh, are working on your hamster cosplay, let us know about it. Leave us a review over on iTunes. That does help people discover the show and lastly you can hit us up on our social networks we are on facebook and instagram at nerf this gg and over on the twitters at nerf this crew and you can shoot emails to the entirety of the show including uh, jules now over at uh, show at nerf this dot gg but yeah I, I think that's does it i've got my uh, PUBG underwear on that i just bought uh, i'm going to order some postmates who now sponsor some random organization in rocket league it's, it's a glorious day in esports That's going to do it. We will see everybody next week for yet another episode of Nerf This.